Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Today on the show, how TELUS is shaping the future of healthcare in Canada, plus a spring outlook for greater Vancouver real estate. BIV has launched BIV Talks, a series of editorially driven events. They feature panels of experts and analysts who weigh in on some of the hottest topics. For example, our first event is going to focus on surviving the real estate slump that's coming up on March 26th. It's followed two days later by our second event in this series on March 28th, which will look at the 5G dilemma. You can register now and get more information on those events as well as all of our other events at BIV.com slash events. Thanks for listening to BIV Today. Here's our show. Tellus Health has launched an app that allows patients to check their symptoms, view their clinical records, and even see a doctor totally virtually from their phone. It's called Babylon by Tellus Health, and it happens to be free and covered for BC residents. Joining me on the line to talk more about this development is Juggy Sahoda, Vice President of Tellus Health. Juggy, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me, Haley. You know, I would venture that health and healthcare are maybe not the first things that come to mind when Canadians hear TELUS. So tell me a little bit about the connection between a major telecommunications company and the area of health. Sure. Great, great question. And one I hear often, uh, especially <laughs> lately. Um, TELUS has actually been in the health IT business for the last 10 years. And uh, we created the TELUS Health Division 10 years ago. And since then, we've invested $2.5 billion building this business to the point where we are now the largest healthcare IT company in Canada. And not a lot of people know about that. Uh, We have electronic medical records. We have pharmacy management software, uh, health benefits management. And to just put it simply, in Canada, there's probably 40,000 family doctors about 20,000 of those family doctors, so 50%, are using a TELUS Health electronic medical record system. And in Canada, we probably have just over 10,000 pharmacies, and over 6,000 of those pharmacies, so more than 60%, are using a TELUS Health pharmacy management system software. So we're, we've, we've been in this business for quite a long time, and now we're moving into the consumer health space where we're talking directly to Canadians. Most of our business in the past has been business to business or business to government, and now we are wanting to empower Canadians with the right tools, information, and support so that they can live healthier and happier lives. And that's why we've launched the Babylon by Telus Health app. So we know virtual health, it's not necessarily new. There's Medio in BC, Equinox, Maple, elsewhere in Canada. And of course, Babylon has existed for a number of years. But tell me, what's going to be different about Babylon by TELUS Health? What is it bringing to a marketplace that already has some virtual health offerings? Great. So that's, a, that's also a great question. So we, we, looked around, um, we looked around the world to see who has the leading edge technology, uh, who has the right value set that matches TELUS, who really wants to you know, make um, make a difference in a social challenge that our country is facing, and and that's how we found uh, Babylon. Uh, they're out of the UK. Uh, this is an organization that is way out in front as it relates to artificial intelligence and embedding that into the virtual care and into the healthcare space. And they have they have launched the service, uh, the Babylon service in the UK. Uh, they've also launched it in places like Rwanda, and and they have over three million users to date. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make healthcare affordable and accessible to everyone in the world. That's their mission. 
And that mission fits with what TELUS wants to do here in Canada as well. And uh, and so, you know, there's a number of things that make us quite unique from, from some of the other names that you mentioned in Canada. But we think that the time is right for all Canadians to get access to this. And so TELUS, we're in the business of moving information. We get the information into the right hands at the right time so that the right decision can be made. And how true can that be from a healthcare standpoint? Uh, you know, doctors, uh, pharmacists, healthcare providers, hospitals, governments, etc., uh, they need efficient and effective, secure movement of health data and information. And so TELUS is perfectly positioned to do that. We're also you know, one of the largest telecommunications company in Canada, so we can scale that. So our goal is to provide virtual healthcare uh, to all Canadians, and we want to do it as quickly as we can, and we work uh, we're working closely with government. We're working closely with the uh, the providers in the healthcare system, so that we can make sure that this works for patients, uh, and we can make it work for the ecosystem. We can't just leave it up to governments to solve all of these healthcare challenges on their own. Uh, they need help, and we, as an organization, feels that this is part of our social purpose, and uh, and that the private sector can play a key role here. I know it's been a struggle for many Canadians to even find a family physician in certain parts of the province there or in the country, really, there are shortages of physicians too. So I wonder if maybe this is a prime application for, say, rural parts of Canada where it really can be a challenge to get face-to-face -face time. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. There's um, Right now, we have around 5 million people in Canada who don't have access to a family doctor. 5 million. You know, the healthcare, healthcare in Canada is allotted around the world, and it is wonderful. There are some great, great aspects of our healthcare system in, in our country. Um, one of the challenges, though, I think for us is access to healthcare, whether it's access to a family doctor or access to a specialist or access to, you know, making sure you're getting the care you need on a timely basis. That is a challenge. And when you think about 5 million people in our country who don't have access to a family doctor and close to 800,000 people in our own province of British Columbia who don't have access to a family doctor and, and layer on top of that where people go for after hours care today. So even if I have a family doctor, if I get sick or my family member gets sick after, let's say, 5 p.m., what are my options? I can try and see if there's a clinic open somewhere and usually they're fairly full. Or I'm left with going to the internet and probably frightening myself with the Google searches. <laughs> uh, or I have to think about going to the emergency room in the hospital and waiting four hours. And you know, none of those none of those options right now are ideal. Where with our Babylon by Health service, people who don't have a doctor, people who are looking for after hours care, uh, you can you can access our service and it's covered under your MSP. So there's no charge for British Columbians for our service. And if you have a family doctor. We'll send, and if you want, we'll send all of the notes to your family doctor so that you have continuity of care. That's very key for us. We want to make sure that patients have a very robust healthcare journey. We'll be with them every step of the way and we'll fill the gaps, uh, which I think many people experience in today's system. You mentioned before the affordability piece, and here in Canada, we're, of course, in a much better position than, say, other countries when it comes to the affordability of health care. But I, I wonder, and I'm sure many Canadians do, about the aging baby boomer population and the strain that's going to put on our health care systems. Is a tool like this, or perhaps the iteration of this tool and where TELUS Health is going, is that potentially a, an avenue for alleviating some of that pressure, not replacing physicians in face-to-face -face situations, but perhaps a complement to some of the, the addressing the challenges we're going to see? Yeah. 
you, you hit the nail on the head right there. You know, this is the first time in history where we have more people over the age of 65 than we have under the age of 15 in Canada. And so just think about that for a minute. We absolutely have an aging population. Uh, we are, we're, we're certainly living longer, not necessarily, you know, living all that healthier. You still, we still have chronic diseases that are plaguing uh, our population, uh, things like diabetes and hypertension and, um, you know, and, and others, and mental health issues as well. Uh, and so, you know, absolutely the healthcare needs are still there. The solution that we're putting forward and our goal is to alleviate that pressure that you just talked about. And we'll do it directly and we'll do it also indirectly. We'll offer people another option so that they don't need to go and get in line in the in the ER uh, if it's not an emergency situation. And then that leaves the emergency rooms and hospitals, you know, focusing on key and acute situations where people have to come to the hospital for support. So there, that's a way that will alleviate the pressure there. We'll alleviate the pressure, like you mentioned it earlier, especially for people that are living in remote areas where maybe you get access to a doctor once every couple of weeks. And now you'll be able to get access to a GP seven days a week with the Babylon by Telesolve service. And, you know, it's just like going into a walk-in clinic in the sense that our Babylon by Telesolve doctors are able to um, treat you. They're able to give you prescriptions, refills. They're able to give you imaging tests if you need to go and get an imaging test done or a blood test done. Uh, we can arrange all of that for you from the convenience of your phone. And, you know, the other, the other thing that I think is really key that, um, that TELUS offers with our Babylon service that I, I, there aren't any, there isn't anyone else that offers this type of service is that, you know, we're an organization that, have, that we try, we pride ourselves in putting customers first. And with this service, we're going to put patients first. And one example of that is how often do you go into a doctor's appointment and you forget what the doctor told you or you forget what the details were, usually because you're sick and you're, you know, you've got the stress of, of illness uh, uh, affecting you and you might forget what the doctor told you. With the Babylon service, you'll always get access to that video consultation that you had. So it's like FaceTiming with your doctor. Everything that the doctor says to you and that what you're saying to the doctor, that is stored for you securely. So if you ever need to go back and reference it, you can. If you need to show a loved one what the doctor said, you can. And, uh, and we'll keep that for you whenever you need it. And, and also, the doctor takes very detailed notes about what, um, what they advised you and what you said. Those notes are available to you. It's your record. So it's part of your health record, and we believe you should get access to that, and you will have access to that. And then further, as I mentioned earlier, if you'd like all of that sent to a family doctor, it's just an easy click of a button, and we will make sure that all that information goes to your family GP. So the solution is based on patients, putting patients first, making sure that we're addressing their needs. We're working with government. We're working with the healthcare providers to make sure that the solution can also meet their needs. And our goal is to alleviate the pressure in the healthcare system and improve access to healthcare for all Canadians. On the topic of access, I'm thinking of my grandparents who they have a computer, they're online, they Google and they find and listen to this podcast, but I cannot for the life of me picture them using an app like this. They don't have smartphones. It would be too technologically complex, even though I imagine it is designed to be fairly easy to use. Is there a strategy yes. for getting segments of the population that aren't digital natives that are maybe they maybe have some concerns about going through a very digital virtual experience. Is there a strategy for essentially enabling them maybe over the longer term to use and take advantage of a service like this? Yeah, I think that the, the, the main the main markets that we're going to target are going to be the millennials and busy professionals and people who don't have a family doctor or people who are looking for after hours care. 
And and we think that when we're focusing there, I mean, it'll certainly, it, it will be like the ATM machine to the bank teller, I believe, mm-hmm. that virtual healthcare is going to become the norm. It will be the way that people access it. Now, it doesn't replace everything, right? I mean, there are certain things that you will need to go to the doctor for uh, physically and have them check you out physically. And and so in that case, if our doctors determine that that's probably better for you, we will refer you uh, to a nearby clinic if you don't have a family doctor and urge you to go there for that type of care. And and I but I but I do believe that um, that you know the more people use this, or the service is so easy to use. We have designed it to make sure that it's very customer friendly. It takes it's just like making a phone call. It's very very simple to use, and uh, and we think that there will be a lot of adoption uh, with that population that I just identified, and they can help. Uh, bring bring their parents or bring their grandparents into the mix as well. At one point in time, people thought that you know our seniors wouldn't use iPads or they wouldn't use the internet. And actually, it's the fastest growing segment still on both of those items mm-hmm. today. So so I think again, focusing on the the, the critical mass that uh, we believe is out there and making sure that they come on board to use the service when they need to. Uh, I think that they'll also help us bring on the other segments like the seniors population. And I think that again. I mean, who thought that, you know, your grandmother or grandfather would even ever have a debit card and go to a bank machine and take money out of a machine? That's certainly the norm now. Uh, and, I, and I think that it's a good, uh, a good example to take a look at because the service is very simple. And I think the other thing, too, is that the service is, is designed to be very complementary to the, to the overall healthcare system. We think we will be able to relieve the pressure and reduce costs in the overall uh, healthcare system. And, 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 but again, we're working with everyone in that ecosystem to make sure that everyone understands the benefits of this and we're, we're going to track it and we're going to share back uh, what, what, with what, um, without the outcomes, our health outcomes, as well as, as well, uh, the cost outcomes uh, of the service for the system. I know Telus Health, you purchased a national chain of clinics last year. You have mobile clinics. You, of course, have this new app. Looking ahead 10, 20 years at the landscape and all the technological developments we're seeing, blue sky, what are some of the opportunities on the horizon? What are some of the exciting things we might see from an organization like TELUS Health? Oh, I, there are so many. I mean, I think, um, you know, we spent a long time uh, getting into uh, the healthcare business, as I mentioned, 10 years now. And, uh, and we believe that um, this is the most important uh, social challenge of our generation. It's improving healthcare in Canada. And so there are, when you start to think about the challenges in the healthcare system, you can get overwhelmed very quickly. And I think that if we focus on our strengths and what we're very good at, and we are really good at moving information and making sure that the right information gets into the right hands at the right time, uh, there's all sorts of things that we can do. If you look in the healthcare system, we are revolutionizing access to healthcare. And so things like virtual care are going to be very core to our healthcare business. I think for now and for the next 10 to 20 years, no question. And how does that service evolve? Well, it evolves by being in other languages. It evolves by adding allied healthcare professionals into the mix. So whether you need to see a mental healthcare professional, a physiotherapist, a nutritionist, a dietitian, you name it, all of those healthcare professionals will be brought into our virtual care service. And, uh, and we want to have access across the country. We've started in British Columbia, but we're going to take our healthcare service across the rest of the country. Everyone in Canada can download our app today and get access to that artificial intelligence, that symptom checker that I talked about. And that's a much more effective way of just getting a better handle on what you're dealing with than randomly going onto Google and, uh, and, and, and seeing a whole bunch of information that may or may not be relevant to the condition that you actually have. 
So I think from a virtual healthcare space, virtual care is going to be a very key and core component to healthcare. Again, similar to what I think the ATM machines have offered up for people or internet banking has offered up to people versus going into the physical uh, banking space. And I think watch for things like pharmacogenomics. And, you know, if you think of companies like 23andMe and others that are helping, you know, really get into personalized medicine and helping people understand what is the best sort of lifestyle genomic solution for you. Like what foods should you eat, Haley, versus what I should eat? Uh, you know, what what is your metabolic processes look like versus someone else's personalized medicine? And, and what medications will work better for you based on your uh, metabolic uh, system and your processes? I think... Um, I think personalized medicine is is a frontier where I think we're all going to be moving towards over the next several years. And I think that TELUS is posed, again, to make sure that, that that information is distributed and it is handled as quickly as possible, so efficiently, uh, and, uh, and so people can benefit from having personalized uh, healthcare and personalized medicine uh, for their own well-being. So I think that those are a couple of spaces that I think are going to be key as we move forward uh, with the TELUS Health business. It is a fascinating and exciting world. Juggy, thank you so much for coming on the program. Yeah, thank you so much. And I encourage your listeners to download the app. There's no charge. Try it out and, and add that to your healthcare regime. And, you know, we're going to give you convenience. You'll be able to use it from your smartphone from wherever you are. If you ever have a healthcare need, we're open seven days a week. And, uh, and our doctors are highly qualified. They're all BC licensed doctors. Uh, and, uh, and we encourage you to experience what, um, what, you know, what putting patients first means to us. And, uh, and we would love for your listeners to take part in this and to benefit from this healthcare service. That's Juggy Sahoda, Vice President of TELUS Health. We've seen Greater Vancouver home sales drop off fairly significantly in January and February of this year. Meanwhile, the number of homes for sale in the region has continued to climb. Now, that means it's not necessarily a bad time to be a buyer. I've personally been out every other weekend looking at homes and along with, I'm sure, many other individuals and families, I have some questions about where the market may be heading. And I'm going to put these questions to my guest this morning. Jason Turcott joins the show once again. He is the Vice President of Development at Cressy Development Group. Jason, thanks for coming back on. Happy to be back on, Haley. Historically speaking, what typically happens in the real estate market when spring rolls around? Because we know that the market can be cyclical and it can also be seasonal. Yeah, it's um, it's it's typical that we see come the, the springtime months, certainly towards the end of March uh, and April may be being very active months. Uh, a lot of people will hold off um, putting their properties on the market uh, until uh, these months roll around. So we see usually a little jump in uh, in listing activity and and typically sales as well. And also more on uh, on the pre-sale side, um, uh, going back to more historical trends, uh, developers would often hold off launches um, to either one of of uh, either the spring. Uh, market or the September market. So we used to think a lot more about the timing of launches in more recent times with the market being as as uh, active as, as it has been. That trend seems to have gone away a bit, but it, uh, I suspect here that it might be re-emerging as a more of a, a seasonal um, a kind of trend towards a listing. Oh, interesting. And walk me through, what's the rationale for developers holding off to say a spring or a fall launch? Well, yeah, again, so this is something that, that we would have seen more in, in sort of what, what I'll call normalized markets where 
Um, you know, just generally the activity in real estate is, is higher. You know, people looking to buy are more active in the, in the nicer months and uh, whether or not vacationing. So, um, you know, you would you would often be planning around uh, either an April or a May uh, sales launch. Or uh, if you didn't make those, you know, you tended to try and avoid uh, new project launches in the in the dead of summer. And uh, you know, you would often wait until the second or third week of September. But like I said, in the last few years, four, five, even six years, that trend seems to have kind of gone away because uh, we were finding that there was activity consistently throughout the year, even in in, in traditionally slow months like December. Um, but I suspect that it will be re-emerging as a trend here, like I, like I mentioned a minute ago. Yeah, as you mentioned, this has not been in really any way a typical market over the last couple of years. When we look at some of the stats around home sales, the start of the year really hasn't been that typical either, even if it's traditionally a slower time. It seems to have been very, very slow. Does that have, bring any concern about maybe seeing a slower spring as a result? Yeah, I think we can expect that that the first two months of the year are certainly an indication that the the marketplace is taking a uh, a breather, and I don't expect any abrupt changes to that. I think you know, if if you're a buyer in this market, it's a there's some great opportunities. I'm seeing, uh, um, you know, both on the pre-sale side and on resale, um, that there's some great deals to be had. Uh, you know, there's there's um, there's some motivation from sellers uh, to to move. Uh, units and uh, um, whether it be on the single family, there's some sharp price points uh, that are starting to transact uh, in certain neighborhoods and um, and on the project sales side too, some really great incentives from, from developers. So not a bad time to be a buyer at all. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. As you mentioned, not necessarily a bad time to be a buyer at all, but I've, I've personally heard from friends and people who maybe think that, okay, well, home sales are slowing down, that means that we're actually going to see hopefully some price drops materialize at some point too. And we haven't necessarily really seen those on the condo or townhome side of the market. We've certainly seen them on the detached home side. What have you been hearing from buyers? And is there maybe some hesitancy perhaps that they're waiting and holding out for even lower prices? Well, yeah, we've seen it on the single family side. And we have seen it uh, in certain regions on the condo and townhome side, although I would say the townhome um, uh, segment of the market has been the most consistent uh, in terms of pricing. We've seen the smallest changes in pricing. Uh, we, we are starting to see some changes in, in the condo pricing, um, all, you know, both on resale and at the project sales uh, level. I mean, certainly with, um, with new project launches, we are seeing uh, a trend that is, that is downward um where those projects that are coming forward are are not uh, we, we for a long time we it was an expectation that the next project to launch was just going to be higher than the last that that stood true for you know many years uh and that has certainly reversed itself i think where projects are going to succeed now is where they they provide a um a value proposition where they're actually less expensive than uh, than the last and uh, certainly there's some some competition with um uh, units being listed for resale and or assignment that may have bought uh, multiple years ago at much lower prices. So uh, in order to have success on a project sale, you're going to have to offer a, a real sharp price. And uh, we have seen that some projects have come forward and, and have been priced very well. And I've, uh, I've seen some absorption. And then on the resale side, you know, depending on where you are, it's, it's, the, it's the more expensive marketplaces, you know, the West Side, West Vancouver, where we're seeing... Um, you know the biggest price relaxations, and so there, you know some may, maybe some good opportunities there. Um, in the more price point sensitive uh, 
um, places in the market, uh, those places, those those prices are holding a little stronger. So depending on where you are, uh, there could be some real good deals. Um, and then, of course, this is all tempered because at the same time as this is all happening, we're seeing housing starts uh, start to fall as well, which means supply is uh, is tightening up or or could be tightening up, or at least the supply of new housing is is slowing. Um, so it will it will hold those prices if all um, if all the rest of the uh, variables stay true here. Given where we are in the market now, are developers maybe assessing and we're looking at potentially longer timelines for a project sale? So whereas maybe a project would have been pre-sold in a very short amount of time, are developers expecting that it might take a little bit more time to sell out? Yeah, well, whether they are or they aren't, that's the reality. <laughs> um, um, I know that uh, our expectations on absorptions for uh, new projects have certainly adjusted and uh um, you know, our strategy has never really been one to just try and blow things out in a, in a weekend. Um, um, and, and never, we didn't, it was never our expectation. Um, but I, I think if you're bringing a new project to the market today, your expectation uh, is very different than it would have been a year, a year ago. And I think we're going to be see marketing campaigns that, uh, that last two or even three years. Of course, these buildings often take, uh, you know, you're in a pre-sale mode before construction for six to 12 months, and then the buildings themselves take two years to build if it's a typical point tower. So a three-year marketing campaign is not going to be an unusual thing here, I think, over the next few years where, where it will take uh, a project life cycle to, to get through two or 300 units in a tower. Interesting. We've spent so much of our time with you on this show focused on policy, be it municipal, provincial, or federal policies. And we do have a federal budget coming up. I'm curious whether there's any expectation that we might see something housing or mortgage related in the budget to perhaps address either affordability or a cooling housing market in certain parts of the country. Well, we're hopeful. We're hopeful on a, on a few different fronts. I do, I do think that. Uh, um, uh, I'd like to see something for first-time home buyers. Uh, I think, you know, even though we are seeing the prices start to adjust a little, I mean, it is a long ways from what uh, most people would consider affordable, particularly in the urban uh, urban marketplaces, Toronto, Vancouver, and uh, and the like. Um, so, something in the in the budget for first-time home buyers would would be, I think, very welcome and well deserved. Um, I'd also like to see perhaps a relaxation of the uh, the stress test, and there's been some rumblings about that. Um, we've obviously seen a stabilization of interest rates. There's a lot of forecasts uh, for uh, kind of a cooling global economy, and and uh, particularly south of the border, there's a lot of speculation that we might even be heading towards uh, recession down there. So we need to be mindful of, I, I think, uh, where we're going, and uh, I think the days of uh, those steady interest rate increases, at least for the moment, have subsided. Uh, so I'd like to see that. And then on the rental side, uh, you know, to stimulate production of uh, rental housing and construction of rental housing, um, I think the GST is something that gets uh, gets overlooked a lot as far as, a, you know, a cost to uh, new rental housing. Obviously, you know, particularly in urban markets where the value per unit is high, it's a 5% uh, cost on the, on the value of each new rental home. Um, and... Uh, uh, the the caps for the uh, the rebate have not been adjusted in many many years, and the same would be true on, on purchasing new homes as well. Um, and I'd like to see that those are uh, are addressed both for rental and uh, and new home construction purchases. We'll maybe have some things to talk about then when we have you back on in a couple of weeks. We'll check in with you then. For now, Jason, thanks for coming on the show. 
Thank you. That's Jason Turcott, Vice President of Development at Cressy Development Group. That's it for our show today. Thanks for listening to BIV Today. You can get notified of new episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or on Stitcher. You can also listen to past episodes and read, watch, listen to more business news over at BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.